For marketing agencies and social media managers looking to prove the value of their work, I've got something special for you. Agora Pulse is not only Social Media Examiner's tool of choice as an all-in-one social media management tool, it also allows you to track the traffic, conversion, and revenue from every social post, comment, and private message. Learn how to prove your social media ROI with a free training or a free trial by visiting agorapulse.com SME today. Again, agorapulse.com SME. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. I have an awesome podcast lined up for you today, but before I go there, I want to share a little clip from a video that I think you'll find absolutely fascinating, and it's titled, Why a Lot of Competition Means There's Room for Your Voice. Do you want to be more well-known, but you're concerned that the marketplace is way too competitive, there's way too many voices out there, and there's just no way that you'll be able to stand out? Well, I'm here to tell you a competitive marketplace is exactly why you can be successful. Check it out. Have any of these thoughts ever come into your head? I'm a small fish in a big pond. There's too many voices out there. No one's gonna listen to me. I've got nothing to say. No one will listen to my voice. It's too petite. So-and-so has a lock on the marketplace and there's no room for little guys like me. I can't break in. It can't be done. These are all lies that we tell ourselves. They're not true. A busy marketplace is actually a good thing, not a bad thing. Let me tell you why. Let's look at this from a different perspective. A big market means marketplace justification, which is what we all want. We wanna know that what we're about to go into is something that we can succeed in. It means there are already customers out there willing to buy the products that you're going to sell. You don't have to start from scratch. Someone has gone before you and they've created the way that you can tap into. And you don't have to try as hard to be successful. With an existing competitive marketplace, there also comes media. If the marketplace is competitive, there's going to be podcasts, there's gonna be blogs, there's gonna be YouTube channels, there's gonna be incredible opportunities for you to tap into any one of these media channels. And here's the little secret. Almost all media entities are always looking for fresh new voices and new talent, and that could be you. And guess what? You don't have to wait for those media entities to choose you. You can go ahead and start your own. Follow the path that Social Media Examiner has gone down. We've created blogs, podcasts, YouTube channels, and so much other content. We are now a media entity. You could become the media in whatever industry you're in. Now I know what you're thinking. There's already a big player in the industry. I could never ever have what that player has. And I'm here to tell you, that is absolutely not true. Think of Microsoft. Listen to what Bill Gates has to tell us. Whether it's Google or Apple 
or free software, we've got some fantastic competitors and it keeps us on our toes. Competition by its very nature opens up marketplace fluctuation. It opens up all sorts of opportunities. While it appears as if Apple and Microsoft and Google own the world of office apps, the actual reality is there's a lot of other options out there. All you need to do is be a little different or to serve one of the niches that the big guys ignore and you can be exceptionally successful. So a busy industry is actually a huge opportunity if you know how to seize it. What are you waiting for? Get started. Hey, I hope you found a lot of uh, value in that little clip that I played for you. This is one of 14 videos that I have recorded. They just happen to play really nicely in audio. If you want to watch them, the visuals are really cool. You can go to youtube.com slash social media examiner, look for the playlist becoming well-known and you can kind of go through them all. So we can now transition on to today's topic. Today, I will be joined by Matt Johnston. And we're going to talk about how to create social videos that spur strong emotional connections. We're talking shorter form video that you can put up on all the social platforms. You're going to love this discussion. By the way, want to reach me? I'm at Stelzner on Instagram, or you can email podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. Also, if you're new to this podcast, hit that subscribe button so you never miss a future episode. AI has been a massive disruptive force over the past year. That's why we're excited to announce our brand new show, Introducing AI Explored. It's a weekly show hosted by me, Michael Stelzner. If you want to understand how to put AI to work, this is the show for you. Each week, we'll dive deep into using AI to your advantage. We're talking the practical, tactical stuff that I know you're probably craving. Search for AI Explored on your favorite podcast app and happy listening. All right, let's now transition over to this week's interview with Matt Johnston. Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Matt Johnston. If you don't know who Matt is, he's a former journalist turned video marketing expert. He's also the author of the book, Producing Empathy, and he hosts the podcast, the Video Marketing Podcast. His agency is called Guide Social, and it helps businesses get mass attention. Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Mike. I'm excited to have you today. Matt and I are going to explore how to build strong human connections with video. Now, before we go there, let's hear your story, Matt, because I know you got a really fascinating story. How in the world did you get into video? Well, I got into video through journalism, like you said, but I, I sort of have a funny little career. When I graduated college, seems like forever ago, of course, I guess it was. I spent my 20s directing theater in New York City. Hmm. Um, I spent seven years in Manhattan. I just sort of dropped myself there and figured it out. So, you know, I was by day I was, you know, working at a day job. And then every night I would go and I would direct theater until 10 or 11 p.m. Can't even imagine that lifestyle now. Wow. <laughs> I, don't know how, I don't know how I pulled it off. Uh, but yeah, I was in theater for years. I was, so I guess, you know, storytelling was always sort of part of my DNA, I guess, looking back, that sort of ties it together. But eventually I, you know, I sort of lost the fire for that. And I, 
I decided to go back to grad school. So I went to Syracuse for grad school for journalism. And I sort of started me on this journalist career. I produced TV news for a couple of years and eventually just decided I wanted to go all digital. So I got a gig at Business Insider as a video producer. Eventually, I was a top editor over there. Um, and then I was uh, fortunate enough to be tapped to build New York Magazine's video program from the ground up. So that's brands like Vulture and The Cut, if you know of those brands. And obviously, New York Magazine's been around for decades. Why don't you explain for those that are not familiar with those media entities, what kind of content they were producing? So... New York Magazine is one of these, like like we often say, legacy publications, right? So they've had a magazine forever and ever and ever, and they've always been sort of very print focused, but sort of on the cutting edge of thought, you know, very progressive. And their digital arm is where I mostly worked in. And Vulture is, it's one of the leading pop culture film and TV sites. So I got to interview some amazing people when I was running the video program. Like at Sundance, I tell this whole story in my book about how I interviewed Mark Hamill one time and it went viral. Oh, I was cool. geeking out the whole time in my brain, of course. That's cool. <laughs> but it was incredible. So that was New York Magazine. It was kind of crazy. They didn't have video and they felt that way too. So they tapped me to sort of build that video program, which I built into like a social video program. And uh, eventually I ended up at Now This. Um, so Now This, if you don't know them, they're the top global video news publisher on Facebook. Huh. And so they have all sorts of brands under the Now This banner. You know, they have, I don't even know now, somewhere around 13 to 16 million followers on that main page. They were always only social media video. I was brought on to build three new lifestyle channels there. So I built now this sports, now this money, now this food, built teams, built them up, billions of views. Eventually I started my own thing and here we are. So tell me what you're doing now. Yeah. So I run Guide Social. So we're a video marketing company and right now we're sort of two pronged where we're doing a lot of stuff helping businesses create emotionally driven, empathy driven. I know we're going to get into empathy a lot today because I'm obsessed with it. Testimonial content on one side of the business. We also do big branded content campaigns on the other side of the business. So these are sort of viral video campaigns based on empathy driven storytelling because, you know, as we'll talk about, empathy makes stuff go viral. And I also do some stuff for personal brands as well, just sort of helping them leverage and become omnipresent out there in, in the social video world. Excellent. Great. So awesome to hear all your amazing experience. I want to ask a why question, which is, you know, you've been doing video for a long time. And I know that one of the things you talk about a lot is the power of video, specifically to develop some sort of a relationship between the person watching the video and the subject yeah. inside the video. And I want to know why does good video accomplish this? Like, what is it about video in particular that's so powerful that maybe a lot of marketers do not understand? It's just so personal. And, you know, I think that a lot of marketers hear this, but they don't always let it sink in sort of what it's like to be in front of someone. And actually, it's one of my sort of personal missions right now in the world of, of social media and social media marketing is how can we bring the human back to the situation? There was sort of a gold rush around digital marketing, everybody flocking to the next funnel. And I feel like we lost a little bit of the personal nature of it 
And I'm trying to bring it back because I feel like video is the conduit, right? So if you're a personal brand, you get the opportunity to really be in front of someone, be face-to-face with them, be just literally almost a few feet from them. That's your experience of them. But personal brands aside, just making content that gives value to people in a way that they want to consume it, which is through video on their phone, and just giving them value and caring, like truly caring about what they want and what they need and what they can use. Like that's the whole ball game. I mean, it's like, it's just like human to human relationships. And the thing with video is it just feels so much more personal and it feels like you care so much more. You can build a deeper relationship with somebody than often you can in a blog or you can in really any other platform online. Even Slack messaging with somebody is not even anywhere near what you can get with this sort of video connection. So what I love about it is you can bring that empathy back. Like we're all humans and we identify with each other's emotions. If we're only just brave enough, really, to get ourselves out there. I'm sure when people heard you say Mark Hamill earlier and heard you working for big lifestyle brands, they're probably thinking you have access to super celebrities and they might be thinking to themselves, I don't have access to a super celebrity, therefore I cannot do that because I'm dealing with people that nobody knows who they are. What do you want to say to those people? How can video help the person working inside the company that maybe business X wants to share their story or the customer, you know, the people that aren't necessarily well-known, does it work for that? Yeah, of course. Of course. It definitely works. Here's the secret. Having done like lots of videos with movie stars, I'm not saying that to like pull rank. I'm saying that because you have no idea how difficult it is to get people to watch that because there's so much stuff already around all of these movie stars. We actually had to rack our brains to do silly things with them or empathy driven things that would actually make people connect with it. If there wasn't something nuanced about that, nobody was going to watch it, right? My video with Mark Hamill, I I did a few videos with him, but the one that went viral went viral because he just went off the handle and got really emotional about something that happened in Star Wars, Hmm. just unprompted, right? (laughs) I was just listening, you know? And, And really, what it comes down to is sort of my core idea. It's why the book is called Producing Empathy, because people share stuff and engage with content based on emotional identification based on empathy. If you can get empathy in there, you will win. So having access to people is, I would say, like 0% of the game. Being vulnerable and being transparent and being valuable is the entire game. If, If you can force yourself to somehow break down your own walls, you will become known, loved, and trusted, which is really what we're trying to get at here, especially when we're using this for social media marketing purposes. That's the whole game. And that's where video really comes in. Being you is more powerful than being famous. Do you believe that video today, we're recording this in 2020, is perhaps the most powerful medium over the written word and even over the spoken word? Yeah, I think so. Why? I think so. Well, Uh, you know, I mean, there's that identification that comes with being able to see people because we forget that we're people so much. I mean, even on a podcast, you can feel close to me because I have a good microphone and you can hear how, you know, the, the crispness of my voice and sort of replicate maybe what it might be like to be sitting right next to me. 
but you can get something that feels much more identifiable even on video, even in a selfie video when you're talking to me and it's like you're talking to me. Like it feels like you're talking, you're looking at me because there's something about the eyes, isn't there? There's like something about people's eyes yeah. where we can like see ourselves in there and we get just a little bit, depending on the person, it's a window into your soul. You get just a little bit entranced and uh, that can be a very powerful experience. Well, and just to add a little bit more, a lot of people don't know I have a master's in speech communication. And one of the things that uh, a lot of people do not understand is all the nonverbals that happen when you look at someone's face, right? Mm, the expressions yeah. of their mouth and their wrinkles of the top of their head and, and the way that they look away or look up and think. And just um, all that adds a layer to the verbal communication that conveys something, even the absence of words and just watching the emotional reaction of someone's face, right? That you cannot possibly see in audio. That's a powerful form of communication that we in my industry call meta communication, right? Which is super, super powerful. So I'm asking questions I already know the answers to, but I just wanted everybody listening to just understand that there's something kind of deep that happens when you get a chance to see someone's face and you get to see, and they're not acting, you know, they're being authentic mm. and true. So let's talk about your process because I know you have a good process and I know a lot of people right now are hopefully sold on the value prop of creating the right kinds of videos. So how do we actually go about creating video that somehow builds a human connection? Where do we start? Well, we're focused on empathy and, you know, I have a system for it that I call the hero system. And uh, I love this system because it's it's squarely focused on emotional identification and it's specifically for social media video because that's where I cut my teeth. All these big video programs that I built, they were for social video, which means algorithmic based newsfeed platforms. And that's pretty much every platform except potentially YouTube and others, and uh, a couple of others, video on a website. But largely, when you're talking about TikTok, Snapchat, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, it all sort of applies. This system also works for YouTube videos, of course. You just have to structure the script slightly differently. But the hero system is great because it's focused on value and it's focused on empathy. It's focused on the idea that if you give and you just like want people to have something, like I actually care about you, here is the value I have to impart on you. Do you see yourself in me? If so, like let's go on this journey together, you can do so much there. So I could just take you through the hero system if that's cool. Yeah, I just wanna ask a couple clarifying yeah, questions yeah, yeah. before we get started. So you said specifically you built this for social platforms, not necessarily YouTube. I'm curious, what is it about the social platforms and the way they deliver video that makes it uniquely different than YouTube because I just wanna dig in on that a little bit. It's really how you find the video content. I mean, usually on YouTube, it's often, I mean, you're coming from a thumbnail, you're coming from one place to another place to get a video. Very often it's based on search intent. Right. What it is about the algorithms is that you're just sort of given stuff, right? <laughs> you're just sort of, you're there and it's just kind of like, hey, here it is, here's a gift. Are you interested or not? And you have a very limited window. This is why I talk about this in the book a lot. Like it's not, you know, something that people talk about a lot these days, but I still feel like the main currency that we should be shooting for is the share because the share is what leads to virality. And even if it's not as cool of a topic as it used to be, it's still 
speaks so much to empathy because people will share stuff that they emotionally identify with because they want other people to emotionally identify with it too. It's all like deep subconscious psychological stuff that's making them do that. And when you're seeing this stuff in your feed, people are going to share your content well before they watch even half the video. So you have to optimize it for shares. You don't optimize YouTube videos for shares. They can still follow the hero system. It's a slightly different application, but you have to optimize for the share, for the response, because that's how you get virality. And if that happens, it also sends a signal that, hey, I'm creating something that people are finding valuable and connecting with. So when you're on any of those algorithmic-based newsfeed platforms, we don't go to the content, the content comes to us. So we have to change the way that we structure our videos to optimize for it. Does that answer your question? Yeah, and I also think about intent, right? When you go to Facebook or yep. Instagram or LinkedIn, you're not necessarily going there with the explicit intent to watch video, right? You're going there to kind of get updated on your friends and your connections, right? And you may or may not choose to watch a video. But with YouTube, you go there with the explicit intent that you're going to watch a video. And you'll stick around longer on YouTube probably because that's why you're there. Exactly. Um, that's part of it as well, right? So with your philosophy, since we are quote unquote disrupting the user experience, right? We've got mm -hmm. to create something that causes some sort of an emotional reaction and that's what your process delivers, correct? Yeah, the H is hook and hook is the emotional reaction at the beginning. The way that I like to sort of describe the hook and the way you need to be starting these videos that appear in feeds like this is we sort of have, two brains, right? We have the brain that sort of says, should I have a turkey sandwich or a ham sandwich today? I think I'll have a turkey sandwich. So that one, okay. <laughs> that brain makes those kinds of cognitive decisions for us. We're not talking to that brain. There's not enough time for that. We're trying to stop thumbs over here. So we need to speak to people's brain that's much more connected to their body, to their emotions, that part of your brain, those part of your nerve connections where like if you touch a hot stove, you scream and yelp and run the other direction. Maybe that's just me that does that. <laughs> but that's the brain that we're looking for. So we want to like nail them. And so there's really two ways you can do that with the hook. First way is if you have amazing footage, this is so antithetical to the way that people think about video, you have to sort of rewire your brain here. But the best stuff gets front loaded. Don't wait. Now this is different in YouTube because you're doing a lot of deep teases to get people more engaged in the content and send those signals to YouTube that people are watching a lot of your video. It's different on the social platforms. While that is a factor at the same time, if you look at Facebook and Instagram engagement graphs, you're gonna see the drop-off rates are insane after 10 seconds. I mean, they just plummet and that's fine because you're reaching many more people. And again, as you said, you're disrupting their experience. So if you can get them with the best footage you have. So if, if you have amazing footage, let's say that you're doing a course on surfing or something or yeah, something that, along those lines. That works. That works. <laughs> you, you have like amazing footage that you can put in front of people and it'll blow them away. That's one way. Okay. So when you say you put the amazing, let's go with the surfing analogy. Everybody can imagine somebody on the top of a big wave or under a barrel where it's about to come yeah. over the top of them. You put that at the very front. Are you just putting it kind of as a, you want to see more or do you put the whole thing at the front and it doesn't show up again? That's the part I'm trying to wrap my brain around. 
Do you understand what I'm asking? Like, do we? No, oh, you can you can yeah. absolutely show it again. I actually think of this kind of like, well, I don't know if this is the right analogy, but I do think of it like a cold open. Okay. You know, like in TV, you have a cold open, right? You right. know, in the you're office, coming into the middle of the story, that. right? That's the idea, right. right? Right, right, right. It's just your way in. It's it's the door. It's like the headline, okay, right? Cool. It's the way into it so that you watch it, but you can absolutely repeat it. The point is, if you're putting your best stuff. 30 seconds into your video, nobody's going to see it. Right. And so you have to stop them there. You can put it again later if you want, because you're telling a story the whole time, but you've got to put it up front because that's where the money is. You okay, know? cool. So keep going. If you have video, yeah. If you don't have great video, which is like 80 to 90% of the time, I love just using a headline there, like a really good headline, a headline that's specific and it strikes an emotional chord. I always, when I'm sort of teaching my students, I teach college, I, I always tell them to think about BuzzFeed headlines because they always resonate with them. They're like, oh yeah, I see why they work now. <laughs> but something really specific that that sort of speaks to their core, right? Like, 15 year old surfer survives mega wave or something, right? Like, you know, I'm just guessing, right? Right. Or like the simple reason every woman is curling her hair wrong, right? Ah, okay. Something, Got something it. like that. It's so specific that I have to watch the video and get in. And every woman who curls their hair is going to empathize with that. And so they're in. So even if I don't have amazing footage that's going to blow people away, which I won't in this case, I'm able to get them into the video through emotional connection instead of footage. So let's back up and kind of explain to people why the hook is so important. Can you kind of like elaborate a little bit on that? Well, just because videos often or almost always autoplay, unless you change your settings on Facebook and Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Snapchat, all these videos are autoplaying in feeds. So if you don't stop their thumbs, you've lost the game. So you've, you've, you've lost your chance at getting someone into your video content, which is why the worst thing that you could possibly do is start your videos with a logo, hmm. you know? Right. Because <laughs> there's nothing more important than the first three to five seconds. That's the mantra. At now this, we always used to just say that all the time, right? The first three to five seconds is everything. Because it doesn't matter how good your video is. It could be the most brilliant thing in the world. But if nobody watches it, what impact does it have? It's the same thing as not putting an amazing headline on a great blog. It could be the best written piece of content in the world, but if you can't get people into it, you're going to have a fundamental issue with your content creation and distribution. So you're stopping thumbs here. People are just flicking through. Your video hopefully has a decent amount of real estate. Hopefully it's in square format on these platforms or four by five. And you're just flicking through and you have like the smallest window of opportunity to like hit them in their heart because uh, that's where you want to hit them. Amazing footage that makes you say, whoa, or a headline, which is like, oh, that could be valuable to me. So and it, it makes you feel that not analytically, but in your emotions. So it sounds to me as if this is almost like a commercial for the video, a three second commercial, right? And, and if we think about the fact that a lot of times these are with the sound off, right? it's muted, right? Unless they turn the sound on, on all these platforms. Yep. So, so the idea is like they're scrolling, they're not even going to be listening to the first couple of seconds. They're just going to be seeing it with their eyes. So if they see something that's kind of shocking or they see a headline that's alluring, 
they might choose to unmute the video and continue to watch the entire thing. That's really what we're doing is we're creating the equivalent of a written headline for a blog post, but we're doing it in a uh, video form for the first couple seconds, right? hundred percent. I mean, it's very much like a written headline. I mean, if, if it's doing all the same things and it's doing it correctly, it's very, very powerful. Sometimes you can also do it with a soundbite, but it gets so hard to really go between like what people are going to identify and not identify with. You're much safer going with that sort of headline if you're just giving value to people. How do you actually put a headline into a video like talk through since we're obviously just doing audio right now? What does that look like exactly? Just words animating up on the screen or what exactly is going on? Yeah, I'm just animating words up on the screen. Absolutely. I mean, you know, this is how we told all of our videos back in the days at Now This. We're still just doing it to some extent um, and how we did it in, in, at Business Insider. This text on screen format, it just sort of meets people where they are because they're just sitting on their phones. They're not able to to listen and you have a very short window. There's no way that you can rely on the fickleness of the situation where you, you have you've no idea how they're experiencing this content. So if you just sort of fly the text on screen and you hit them over the head with it, then you can catch their attention. And hopefully it's a good enough headline or good enough video footage that it really cuts to their heart and makes them want to stop if it's something that they'll be interested in. So it's about three seconds. Is that what I'm hearing you say on the hook? Yeah, about three, three, four seconds. Absolutely. And if you have good footage, you want to let it breathe a little bit, like really good footage. You want to let it breathe. And I love using them in combination too. When you say let it breathe, what do you mean by that? Let it, I know, right? Video inside video terms. Um, <laughs> but, you know, just don't do other stuff, right? Like, <laughs> Just let it run a little longer. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, you know, let's say you are because 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 you are often bringing on a headline as well to help sort of reinforce this issue and don't bring it on over like this wave that's crashing. Like let people experience this crazy wave for a second because that's what's going to make them stop. And you don't want to confuse the brain and make it multitask, which it can't do anyway. What are your thoughts about using 16 by nine in a square format and then just like a black bar with text? So you can have them both at the same time. Is that I'm not, into it. You are into it. Okay. So that, I'm it, into it. That can yeah, work. Yeah, yeah. That can work. Okay, cool. Cause I see a lot that's been used forever, you know, where you put like maybe a headline in the top black bar and then maybe the actual script in the bottom for the people that are muted or whatever. Um, I just don't know whether that's still a common practice or not. Yeah. People are doing it all the time. It's a great thing to do for personal brands. I do it for a lot of my stuff because I make a ton of content like that. And uh, often there's a headline. It's a headline. It's the same idea. Right. Because I just want to stop people in the feed because I don't have amazing footage for the things that I say. It's right. just me and I'm not an amazing footage, but I have the headline up there and it's able to sort of draw people in. It's hard to say. I mean, really, it's a case by case basis on how crazy your footage is. But I think if you take enough, you just want to make sure that you're taking up enough real estate with stuff that would make people watch. I used to always say, because one of my jobs at Business Insider in an editor role was I was just like doing headlines, like 200 headlines a day, right? I was just like going through it and framing is what we called it. And when we were framing, we were basically optimizing it for social media because I was helping run social media at Business Insider. And we would have, uh, we would say, okay, so the framing is the caption on the post on Facebook and the headline and the image. 
And the, there was always like a metadata line, which I think they've mostly gotten gotten away from now. But I would always say when I was training other people, I would say, don't ever give someone a reason not to click. Like use everything you have available to you to allow them to click while still making it simple enough for them to get inside the content. All right, excellent. So we've talked about the H, which is hook. What's next in the acronym here for hero? Empathy. I love, I love empathy. I, I feel like emotional identification is the reason why anybody clicks anything online, whether it, it blows them away or it's, it's going to give them value in some way. It has the promise of connection or the promise of relationship. We want to see ourselves. We want a mirror. That's what we all subconsciously want when we're looking for content online to engage with. We want to see a mirror. So th this is like a great way to think about value, which is like my second favorite word is value, because I just think that with content, you need to be f squarely focused on giving value. And the best way to give value is by understanding how your audience feels. And by definition, if you're understanding how the audience feels, you're showing empathy and it's an automatic two-way street. And it's, it's just like an incredible process that you can go through with somebody and a great relationship building piece if you can go through and show content with empathy. It's the best way to come up with a content strategy. What kind of content should I make? What kind of things resonate with the lifestyles and lives of the people that you're serving? What do they care about? What do they cry about? What do they laugh about? That's how you empathize with them at that level. So making sure that you're choosing stories that will spur empathy and then telling them in a way that continues to speak to them in a way that shows you emotionally identify with this and that they can emotionally identify with you. You're letting them in, they're letting you in. Then you'll really get the opportunity to build an awesome connection with them, which can go so far from a business standpoint. I'm sure that some people listening right now are thinking about the business they work for or their own business, and they're trying to figure out mm. how in the world they could do this. Can you give us an example of one that you've done for one of your clients or for yourself, just so people can wrap their head around this? Yeah. Well, the way that I think about the type of content to make is I actually think about making brand content, not about, it's not about your product and service. It's about the people you serve. It's about the audience. It's not about you. It's about them. That's the first thing. And when I'm trying to help brands come up with the type of content to do, I take them through what I call a persona exercise, which comes up with your ideal avatar. I'm sure most of your audience knows what that is, but it's, it's your ideal target customer. So you have that in their mind. And then you think about their entire lifestyle. And this is, I think, one of the mistakes that gets made a lot is that we we see the audience only through our own very limited lens. Yes. Keep We're on. only looking at them through the way we, <laughs> as if we were the only thing in their lives and the problem we solve was the only thing going on with them. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. I can tell you understand what I mean. Totally. <laughs> so keep going. So like you, you say and look at the entire lifestyle that they're living. Lifestyle. Yeah. Absolutely. And then what do you do with that? Yeah, I actually, I have this little process that I call a lifestyle map that I teach. It's in the book too. And so basically you come up with this, you do this persona map and then you make a lifestyle map where you put the avatar, hard in a podcast form, but it's basically you have the avatar in the center and I draw little bicycle spokes out 
And on each spoke is a different piece of that person's lifestyle. Mm. So let's say that we're selling diamond rings and we have Sylvia. And actually, that, that's a bad idea. I, I often teach diamond rings and then I'm like, it's not the wife that's buying the diamond ring. What am I even talking about? <laughs> so it'd be the husband. So, so let's say wedding gowns, right? Okay. So th this, this woman is planning her wedding. So we have Sylvia in the middle. She's our avatar. And then these different bicycle spokes would have the different parts of Sylvia's life. Is Sylvia's life all about getting married? No, there's a lot going on in Sylvia's life. And that's what comes down to our avatar. So it could be, for example, depending on your product or service, right, who your avatar is, it could be a high income individual, right? She's extremely busy. So we know that there's a lot of people in that avatar set that are lawyers and doctors. So extremely busy lifestyle would be one core lifestyle trait. And then we'd go down again and we would say, well, most of them are moms. Okay. So that's who we have. So we would have mother right over here because we say that maybe the avatar is mostly 30 to 35 year old women. Okay. So we have mother. So that's there and you see, et cetera, et cetera. So we can go around all of the things that matter to Sylvia. What does Sylvia care about in her life? And then us as someone who sells wedding gowns, we can make content about motherhood. Hmm. We can make content about busy lifestyles and issues with morning routines and all of the things that make Sylvia say, oh, yes, that's me. Yes, I do have a problem with that. Ah, I love this. It builds a relationship. It's got nothing to do with wedding gowns. That's the part that a lot of people are going to have to struggle wrapping their heads with, right? It's got everything to do with the struggle that's faced by the audience that they're trying to attract. And if those videos resonate with that audience, what happens? What's the benefit? What's the upside? They share that stuff, right? <laughs> with, with people just like them, right? And then all of a sudden you're drawing that audience to you and that's the marketing connection, right? Well, yeah, but also it creates a deeper relationship with that human being. I mean, we're often as marketers, we're not playing an AOV game, right? And or which is, I want you to buy something now and then go away. We're playing an LTV game, a lifetime value game. Right. So we want this person to become a loyal, and this is what we talk about all the time in the business. We want to create super fans. Mm. We want to create super fans, and you don't create a super fan by being like, hey, buy my wedding gown, buy my wedding gown. You want to know how awesome the laces are on my wedding gown? I don't know. Do wedding gowns have laces? I assume they do. Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> I do, can't do you want to know that. about all these things? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm married. I don't know. I just don't remember. <laughs> Me so either. No, I have no idea. I have no idea, but probably. <laughs> so, all right. <laughs> but awesome. It deepens the relationship. And, that, and that's important, especially the way that things are shifting. You know, and I know you've talked to a lot of folks recently where this has been a theme recently on, on the show, right? Where you that that social media is becoming more personal and it's going into private channels more often, it's more important than ever to deepen those individual relationships. Love it. So we've talked about hook, empathy. What's the next part of the process? That's response. And so that's where the share happens. Okay. Talk to me is, about which that. Which is really, really important because if you're just creating content for people to consume, it's going to be one way and it's probably not going to go viral and uh, it could provide value, but it's not quite structured quite correctly. When you're trying to get someone to emotionally respond to it, this is where we get to really structuring your stories in completely different ways. And people used to think I was nuts back in the day because I've always had these 
systems that I haven't always codified them. I developed them when I was training these big video teams. And I was like, how do I come up with systems to train the same people, the same concepts over and over? And that's why I came up with the system. But the basic idea is that I would continue to front load different parts of the story to create those cold opens so that we can get the share in before we get to the story. So very often when you're structuring a social video script, you may get to a point where you want to just sort of deliver context. And, you know, I, I come from a journalism background, but a lot of this value-based content is going to feel very much that way, or at least it should, because that's the secret, right? So you get people into this and you might say five curling iron hacks to transform every woman's day or something like that, like the headline we used before. Okay. And then if your second line or the second thing that you say or do there is using a curling iron is something a lot of women deal with. A lot of women don't want, you know, blah, 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 right? And so that's not shareable content. So the important thing is locating in your script, what are the biggest empathy moments, the biggest mirror moments that are in that script that will really make people share those things? So for example, in this case, I would just jump right into my little five point list, but I would not do the most common thing right off the bat. I would find the most wacky, crazy one of those five and put it right up front because you're optimizing it for response because you're saying, I want you to respond to this. Does that make sense? Yeah. So the response is done by the watcher, but it's cued by the way you compose the video. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Yep, absolutely. So by front loading your video after the hook with really valuable or interesting or emotional substance, the hope would be that they would hit share before they even watch the rest of the video. Is that kind of what I think I heard you say? Right. Yeah. And then they'll watch it. You know, people used to think that I was crazy. I remember there was this one time when I was, I should have put the story in the book. It's not in the book, but there was this one time where I went to Switzerland and I interviewed a bunch of people on in the Paralympics across all different countries. This was for now this during a campaign we did with Toyota. And I interviewed this one Mexican monoskier. So monoskier means he can't use his legs. So he sits down and skis mm -hmm. in this, this special device. And, you know, he was telling me his story and I, I interviewed for him for a half hour, but it's very normal to tell a profile story in this very linear way. So let's start at the beginning and then let's go to the end. But if you structure your video that way, when you're trying to mostly distribute this from social platforms, you're not optimizing it. You need to think a little bit harder and develop that cold open. So I remember when I was, because it was just me at the time, I remember I had a video crew with me, but we had really quick turnarounds for Toyota here. So I was writing the scripts and editing them in my little Switzerland-like bungalow for like, for like a couple of days. And I was sitting there writing it and I was like, there was this one time when I interviewed him and he started crying because he admitted to me, I could tell that he admitted to me for the first time that he had thought about ending his life. Wow. And he had never told anybody because he got in this accident at 14 years old mm. and almost lost everything, including the will to live. And he never told anybody that before I could tell. And I said to myself in that moment, I was like, this needs to be in the beginning of the video. Like it needs to be there. I need to make sure that people see this and experience this because this is the truth. This is empathy. 
And a lot of people would have thought I was crazy reading that script and seeing that I didn't sort of build up to that moment and sort of crescendo into it. But instead, I decided to reorganize it so that it was more of a cold open to get you feeling something for this man and like getting with him on this journey to move into it. I, I, I think that example is pretty Excellent. demonstrative of it. Yeah, perfect. So hook, empathy, response. What's the O? It is over deliver. Because again, I'm just obsessed with value. And, you know, when I was in the journalism world and we were making all this content, it's still true that there's nothing new under the sun with content. We're all making the same stories very often. And I know that a lot of you in marketing land feel this all the time. You're just, another Facebook ads hack, right? Another like CBO is coming. What do I do? Like there's always a different thing. And so the deal is you have got to exceed people's expectations of value in that content because that's what they're going to remember. The goal with any piece of content is to get it shared and then when it's done, when they've consumed it, did they feel like they had at least one useful nugget they could take away from it that they had not heard or experienced before? Hmm. So how can you over deliver with value to show that you actually care. Like you're not just cookie cuttering these videos, you're putting thought into them, you're putting heart into them, and you care about the people that see them. You want to help them, right? Because you know how you feel in real life when somebody over delivers for you in real life, they send you a card and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this person took the time to send me a card in the mail, in the physical mail. <laughs> I didn't even know that existed. And here it is in front of me, and you feel something slightly in debt, of course. So there's a marketing tactic there, but also you sort of feel a connection like, wow, this person really cares about me. And it sort of makes you think about yourself and reflect on yourself in video form by over delivering in value. You're showing that this is not just a marketing tactic. This is actually us caring about you and your experience. How long are these videos that you're creating for the social platforms? Approximately one minute. Got so it. so this is, these are short. Be on your way. <laughs> yeah. So these are really short videos, right? I mean, you've got a lot to do in only 60 seconds, right? <laughs> I mean, it's not. You do. You have a lot to do. But, you know, if you break it down in this sort of text on screen storytelling format, which is still super effective now, right? Or, or if you're doing a personal brand or something, I mean, you're talking about the hook is three to five seconds, first most shareable piece of information, second most shareable piece of information, a little bit of context, and then add that extra layer of value to over deliver again. That fact or that piece of context, or and this is the journalist in me coming out, but there's that fact or that, that, that little way to sort of give perspective to it that nobody else would do, historical perspective, whatever it is, maybe a quote from someone, tracing it back to something, a different application of this knowledge, that little extra, I mean, it's just a couple of lines, right. but it really makes a difference. If it goes a little over 60 seconds, is that the end of the world? What's the no, 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 no. What's it's the, absolutely fine. What's the maximum length that you typically recommend when you're doing videos with your clients? I mean, to be completely honest with you, when I'm doing social video only content, <laughs> I'm I just I just love repurposing. I'm like the biggest fan of repurposing content because I'm a big believer in done is better than perfect. Like let's just make all the content. So if I can get it under 60 seconds so that I can put it out to Instagram, that's great because I have seen that there are differences obviously between the Facebook and Instagram algorithm and how they consume video. But fact of the matter is 
the same stuff works on both platforms. I mean, I've grown Instagram accounts like a thousand percent making these text on screen type videos that you think of on Facebook. So it's, it's, it really is optimal for both. So I love being able to use that in both places, it, but, but it's not the end of the world. You know, I think that if, if you're making a simple story, like I'm mostly talking about in the book, although there, there is a chapter on like deeper video content with the hero system, but largely I'm talking about the social video methodology, right? I would say that largely, I mean, if you're over like, you know, if you're hitting two minutes, you're definitely probably looking for some cuts there with right. this type of content. Well, and I would imagine if you can get a good editor, you can figure out a way to make it shorter. I mean, I know editors can speed up the rate at which you talk, but not make it sound like you're talking faster. They can cut your breasts mm -hmm. out. I mean, there's so many things that a good editor can do to make that content tighter. And I don't know, you know, not everybody has access to amazing editors, but that stuff really works. Are you putting music behind it as well? Yeah, I always do because emotion because emotion because emotion makes people feel things, Mike. Because because music makes people feel things, it just does. Um, there's just something to it. It just takes people to some place, and I know they're not usually listening to it with sound, but I love putting sound there. So if they do hear it, and of course, if if it gets shared widely, there will be millions of views with sound on. I just I love to sort of set the stage there. Matt Johnston, author of the book, Producing Empathy. Where can people discover more about you and the work that you're doing if they want to reach out to you? I created a special URL for y'all, um, guidesocialglobal.com slash SME. And I have a special book deal on there because I really want to make this book super, super accessible. So it's going to be way cheaper there than on Amazon. I would love you to read it and just get value from it. That's my whole goal guide socialglobal.com matt johnston thank you so much for coming on and answering my millions of questions and sharing your wisdom and insights with our audience i really appreciate it i'm so grateful thank you so much for the invitation mike looking forward to uh, to hearing it and talking more hey i hope you found a lot of value in this podcast episode if there's anything we mentioned and you missed it we take all the notes for you simply visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash 399. Wow. Episode 399. By the way, lots more content coming. Hit that subscribe button if you are new to this podcast. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your fast talking host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week, I promise. I hope you make the best, the best out of your day. And may social media continue to change your world. See you soon. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. If you're like so many fellow marketers and creators and entrepreneurs, you're probably wondering, how do I put AI to work? Well, be sure to listen to the AI Explored Podcast, a new show from Social Media Examiner, hosted by yours truly, Michael Stelzner. Again, check out the AI Explored Podcast.